Here we go. On camera and on a microphone, the John Curley Sherry Elliker Show, starring Sherry Elliker and just yeah, by yourself, Sherry, you're all by yourself. All right. Okay. TikTok. I thought of the, um, I think there's a bill, or at least there's some talk in Washington, D.C., of banning TikTok altogether. There are 23 states that don't allow you to have the device on your phone if you work for the state. Um, federal government won't allow you to have it on your phone because they know it's owned by the Chinese, and they just simply think, that eh, might not be the best thing. So there is talk that they would ban it altogether. And I thought the most amazing part of this article, Shuri, was the fact that the average American is spending 56 minutes a day on TikTok. Uh, that's, that is really amazing. Um, this bipartisan Senate bill will be introduced, I guess, today or was introduced yeah. to give the president the authority to respond to threats posed by TikTok and company likes it. Um, and there's another bill that's uh, co-sponsored by the, um, a Maine independent senator and a Florida Republican, Marco Rubio, that would ban the app outright. TikTok yeah. would be allowed to continue to operate if the company relocated or if it was sold to a friendly nation. Yeah. But otherwise, it, they want it to go away altogether. I, I'm amazed at people are okay with the fact that you know, it's owned by the Chinese. Do you know the Chinese government has this? Do you know that if you're 14 years old and you're Chinese and you're living there uh, they, and you have TikTok, the, you, on your account, they'll show you fun experiments and you could do at home. Not like how to knock yourself out with a kitchen appliance or how to steal a car or how to make a milkshake in a toilet or how to sniff and uh, snort um, suntan lotion. It's fun stuff like how to become a scientist and, you know, how does um, inertia work? So the Chinese government is sending their kids stuff to make them smarter and they send stuff to our kids that we eat up. Stuff to make you dumber. It's true. In fact, in this article, they say that 56% of Chinese kids say they want to be an astronaut when they grow up. Whereas the overwhelming majority of our kids say they want to be a video blogger or a YouTube superstar. So that's, I mean, TikTok is, is their television, is their radio, is all the things that we grew up with, TikTok has replaced. Yeah, I remember um, when, I think like four or five years ago, Tom and I were doing the show and somebody over in the, the media, whatever is that, digital, oh, Mike Simeone, I think Mike said, came over and goes, uh, you guys, um, TikTok's really important right now, so they, the station wants you guys to do like some TikTok stuff. Tom and I were huh? What? What is it? Huh? Huh? Yeah, um, can you guys just like do a, like a dance? If we played some music, you could do like a TikTok <laughs> dance. Oh, my God. Jacob, if you could ever find that. Uh, I remember this. Yeah. I mean, you're not even recognizable as yourselves. They could have had anyone do what you did. You were both wearing some type of masks to obscure your faces. I don't know what it was. And I just remember while we were doing it, and it, it seemed to last a long time. 
And then I could tell that the person who was shooting it realized how horrible it was, but he didn't want to cut it off right away and say, okay. So he didn't want to say anything, and I didn't, and there Tom and I were TikTok dancing. Were you following a regular, were you making up your own dance, or were you following a TikTok trend? I think, no, we were kind of doing, well, we didn't know about trends back then, so we weren't (laughs) in on that. We were just dancing to some music that somebody was playing off their phone. God, it was sad. Yeah, I I think I found it. I will, oh, oh, I want to see this. No, Sherry, Sherry, Jacob, Jacob, (laughs) Jacob. You know, I love your dancing. I love your dancing. This so was I different. really I was, want to see dance this. With, I had to dance with Tom, so it was totally different. I wasn't able to free. Even better. Free, free, Even free, better. free flow. Free flow as I normally do. Okay. <laughs> this has eight likes. <laughs> I'll be the ninth. Come on. Let me see it. Can you play the music at least so we can hear what the music was? Yeah, let's hear the music. Uh, I mean, there's like a narrative to this. I don't know. If- no, no. Put it up, though. Put it up. Okay. Because the, the other thing is that TikTok has also announced to make it even worse um, they're not going to have a filter now. They've got this filter on your TikTok that you can have on the phone. That's going to allow you to sort of uh, remove all any imperfection, any imperfections you may have on your face. And if you're young and cheekbones would be a little higher, this computer filter is able to just accentuate your good stuff, make your eyes a little bigger, a little brighter, maybe a little bluer. It might shorten or thin your nose a little bit, make your lips a little fuller. So it uh, gives you a false um, image of yourself, but only when you're on TikTok. But when you're off TikTok, you go back to your ugly, sad self. If this doesn't do more critical emotional damage to the young female psyche, as they say it is most damaging to young females, I don't know what will. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like it's kind of amazing. It leaves a contoured, chiseled visage with more proportionate features, plumping yep. the lips, shrinking the nose, eliminating blemishes, evening the skin tone, and adding eyeshadow, blush, and other touch-ups. Uh, can I do this every day? I mean, it, it's, yeah, but they're saying that, you know, when girls do this and then they see the reality of yeah. what they look like and what other people look like, or especially what they look like, it's def- devastating to them because they realize what, how maybe perfect they aren't. And, yeah. but it's a complete lie. It's, it's fake. I'd like to say, I'd like to amend my last comment. I think the other thing they would do terrific, um, damage to the female psyche would be watching Tom and I on that TikTok video <laughs> dancing. <laughs> I'd like to add that. Jacob there. just sent me the link. I cannot wait. Sherry, think of it like a Christmas present. Wait. Just wait. Don't open it when we're on the air. I'm not. I will, I will absolutely wait till, till I can it's, open it in the privacy of my home and react accordingly <laughs> by myself. I just wanted to I, – I feel like to manage expectations, it's dumber than you think than you're thinking it is, Sherry. Oh no! I'm certain that it's dumb. I have no. Okay. I'm sure, but okay. I'll. I. I, I can't wait. Moving on. Uh, the uh, just real quick. Uh, Portland, Oregon has lost one of its WalMarts. I don't know how many. I think they've closed two now. The CEO from Walmart was warning everybody this is going to happen. He's talking about the fact that you know shoplifting is just so out of hand that they just got to close it down. It's really sad because in this particular part of 
uh, Portland. This is the only place that people could shop again. Sort of Theft is an issue. It's higher than what has historically been. And we've got safety measures, security measures that we put in place by store location. I think local law enforcement being staffed and being good, a good partner is, is part of that equation. And that's normally how we approach it. But there have been rules that have been changed that make it not something that the police are going to pro- prosecute or that the, the criminals won't be prosecuted below certain levels. Does that matter? If that's not corrected over time, prices will be higher. Right. And or stores will close. Right. It's just policy consistency and clarity, you know, so that we can make capital investments with with some vision. Good luck. That would be nice. I think the mayor of Portland was asked, uh, can we have some of your off-duty cops? We'll pay them to protect our stores. Um, and the mayor said, no, nah, we're kind of running short on cops. So, you know, we get your own security guards, but you're not allowed to use our own cops. Um, so, Portland loses, I think, one or two Walmarts. Others leave as well. And when they go, nothing else is in there. So you have people traveling a greater distance and, you know, paying a higher price. They were paying a price for a long time. They're raising the price because people go in there and steal all the time. And now they just simply say, that's it. We're out of business. Yeah. The store theft across the country with all Walmarts is the highest in 61 years. And this is what the CEO said. He said the decision to close these stores was made after a careful review of their overall performance. We consider many factors, um, pointing to current and projected financial performance, location, population, customer needs, and the proximity of other nearby stores when making the difficult decision. But, yes, it was a historic rise in thefts, and they just said it's just not worth it. And 600 people are going to lose their jobs. You know what's amazing? It's like if you were to go back, say, five years ago, ten years ago, why weren't people going into steel out of Walmart and Walgreens? Why weren't they? Well, I think that there were there was some actual fear of getting caught and being arrested. Right. Yeah, right. So this is there's no law now as far as the person going there and stealing. Just walk in. You've seen that. We've all seen the videos. Guy goes in with a bicycle fills up a bunch of stuff into a bag and then throws the bag over his shoulder and then rides his bike out of the store. It's free. You're going in there, you're just taking the stuff, converting it into cash, doing whatever you want with it, but you're just stealing it. Because we, actually, was San Francisco was the first group that started this. So there was a thing called, you know, three strikes, you're out. And they found out that some people, the third strike was something small. So then they said, well, that's not fair. So let's adjust that. So they said to the people, would you be okay? They put it before the, the folks of San Francisco. What we're thinking of doing is, I think it was uh, Bill 223 or whatever it was, that you, that if it's under $900, if you're stealing under $900, we won't do anything. So then people said, okay, we'll steal up to $900. So they were stealing, and that's how it kept going. And then you lose the police, and then people keep stealing. So these stores just simply can't make it on their own. But the reason they steal is because there's no repercussions. There are no laws. And when there are no laws, it'll just keep going. No one's going to stop you. Before, you didn't want to go in and steal something because they would catch you, hold you, the police would catch you, and you lose your job or you lose whatever else, and you're in jail, and it's just a miserable sort of experience for a while. But here, who cares? Let them go. Steal whatever you want. Right. And if they don't have security, um, then you think a store employee is going to risk their life? Somebody could have a gun. They're not going to go out there and chase after somebody because they know that person could be dangerous and and hurt them. So they're not going to stick their neck out for 16 bucks an hour or whatever it is. I don't blame them. I really don't. 
And no uh, But some of these companies are saying, now, I don't know if it was Walgreens or one of them, said they've actually gone overboard a bit where, you know, because they locked up everything. You have to get a yeah. clerk to help you with deodorant and uh, just these regular everyday products that get stolen a lot. Um, and people are inconvenienced by it. They don't want to, they don't want to go to a store where they have to wait five or 10 minutes for someone to get a key for them to get laundry detergent. Yeah. Or to unlock the clerk. Um, the, the tipping is still being talked about. And I think it's Danny Westing, the Seattle Times has got the fact that maybe things are starting to switch back and how things are in Seattle when it comes to tipping. And they just, I think it's a local brewery that's decided, you know what? No more tipping. Uh, we'll just pay our bartenders more because the tips the bartenders were getting was not going back to the people that were working behind where the bar was. So they said, let's raise the price, raise what we uh, pay our bartenders. We get rid of tipping altogether. We won't have to worry about, you know, this inconsistency. I like how they were able to work into the article that tipping is somehow racist. Um, yes. Of course, because it's Seattle. Um, and now maybe other companies will decide to follow along and get rid of tipping altogether. That's right. It's a, a place called Flying Lion Brewing, and they did the math on it, and they decided, okay, let's raise the the wage of bartenders from $16 an hour to $28 per hour, and beer went from $6 to $8 an hour, so there's no tipping option. Everybody, it's basically 20% across the board for everybody, including the consumer, who will be charged an additional 20% to get the beer. Um, but they they figured this, you know, it, it, it they we're dealing with like tipping exhaustion. So uh-huh. to go to a place and not have to worry about it, um, there's a place called Optimism Brewing. They also are a no tip zone, but they say on their website that it has a a racist, classist, and sexist sexist history. Hmm. Actually, I have the history of it. Jake, uh, Andrew, if you would be so kind. Tipping started in the 17th century in England. It was a way of making sure that the beer squirt would continue to provide prompt service to you. And then, after some Americans traveled overseas and came back, they brought the tradition of tipping with them. It was immediately reviled. In fact, it was outlawed in more than 17 states, including Tennessee and South Carolina. Why am I talking like this? I'm not sure, but there's more. A guy by the name of William Scott wrote The Itching Palm, talking about, and quote, In America democracy, it is vile and incompetent to citizenship that every tip given to the United States is a blow to the experiment of our democracy. The custom announces to the world that we do not believe practically that all men are created equal. Unless a waiter can be a gentleman, democracy is a failure. If any form of service is menial, democracy is a failure. Those Americans who dislike self-respect in servitude are undesirable citizens uh, and they belong in an aristocracy. Tipping is un-American. They hate it. Yeah, and this one guy says that customers, this is what he believes is the psychology behind it. Hold on, whoa, 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 Sherry. Nothing. I do all that research. I read. <laughs> I put on a. I put on a weird voice. I have music. He's just going right on to the neck. Like like nothing great just didn't happen. No, it, uh, I, I was oxygen. supporting. I'm going to my oxygen. I, I I I I was going to support what you just read with a psychological description of this as well. Oh, I think we're out of time. <laughs> okay.
No, no, go ahead. What's the music for you? It says, customers like the power over the server, and servers like the illusion of controlling their income. Oh. Well, that's good. Thank you. But yeah, not as good as yours. <laughs> By the way, I want you to do this. It's my gift to you. I want you to enjoy Tom and I doing a TikTok dance, okay? Oh, oh okay. Yes, I almost forgot. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. Okay, okay, okay good. Thank you, Sherry. I think I will. Buggies Buggies Auto Service Center, as you know, I've said it once, I've said it a million times. They've got 16 locations, been around for 52 years. Take that car to Buckies. Get it in there. Push it in there if you have to. Don't apologize for it. Let's get it in there. The men and women can't wait to work on that car. Buckies Buckies Auto Service Centers. All right. Well, someone's done it. This guy did a little bit of gene splicing, and now he's in a lot of trouble because you're not allowed to do that. The experts, uh, um, experts weigh in on the medical advances when it comes to gene editing, um, and there could be some problems. This story came up, I think, last week as well. What was the splicing going on, Sherry? Why was that necessary? Well, I think we actually have uh, some audio on that. I know. I just was stalling. I thought I'd oh. throw it to you and you would come. Okay. For me. Well, no, thanks <laughs> a lot for outing me. <laughs> no, I- Hang on. Hang on. Okay. 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 Gene editing came up for gene formal editing. debate. A Chinese scientist named He Zhangkui dropped a bombshell. He had created the world's first genetically modified humans. Two beautiful little Chinese girls named Lulu and Lana came crying into the world as healthy as any other babies a few weeks ago. Hujan Kui's actions were condemned as irresponsible and unethical. But in the five years since that stunning announcement in Hong Kong, scientists have quietly continued to hone their gene editing skills. A lot has happened over the last five years. It's been a busy period. Robin Lovell Badge from the Francis Crick Institute in London led the committee convening the new summit. The number of clinical trials involving genome editing has gone up enormously in those last five years. So we're having a lot more experience of how to do it and how it might work. Various techniques have been developed and improved substantially. So, you know, there's a lot of new stuff. Doctors have made dramatic advances using the gene editing technique He Zhangkui used, known as CRISPR, to treat many diseases. Scientists have learned more about the risks of gene editing while also developing more sophisticated techniques that could be safer and more precise. Jennifer Doudna at the University of California, Berkeley, is one of CRISPR's pioneers. We're at an exciting moment for sure with genome editing. At the same time, we certainly have challenges. One big challenge remains whether scientists should ever again try to make gene-edited babies by modifying the DNA in human sperm, eggs, or embryos. That could help families that have been plagued by devastating genetic disorders. This is not going to stop. There are unwritten rules and regulations regarding international study of this, and it's getting ignored. It's not enforced. And I would assume once the Pandora's box is open and people start to do this and you sort of just slowly sort of work your way in, well, we can edit out this, but we won't edit out that. Well, I'd like to edit that out. Okay, get that out of there. You'll start to be able to customize your offspring. I think that's the fear is that number one. Well, why would that? What's the fear of that, Sherry? Well, the fear, according to experts or bioethicists, is Mm -hmm. that you will now have people um, selecting things like eye color 
sex, um, all of those things, and that that could then create a specialized sort of human that nobody's going to want what they get. I mean, they're going to want to say, you know, if they have the money, they're going to say, well, I want a blue-eyed, you know, brown-haired baby with that's going to be six feet tall or all all of those types of things if they can get this down to a precise science. The other concern is that if they make a mistake and they do something that creates a problem, that could last for generations. It's in somebody's DNA. So there are a lot of problems with this, but there's so much potential with it as well to get rid of diseases, to be able to 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 have a healthy baby when you might be afraid to because yeah. of a genetic predisposition. There is a form of genetic modification that goes on. You ever been to the Hamptons uh, or been to, say, Anasquam or Darien, Connecticut? Have you ever been to one of those super preppy colleges, Sherry? Mm-hmm. Sure. Where no one owns socks and everybody wears docksiders or used January and men wear uh, whales on their corduroy pants and bright mm-hmm. colored ties and stuff. I'm going back to the 80s. Everybody looked the same, right? Everybody had the blue eyes, jawline. The girls all looked the same. Guys all looked the same. Just basically they had all been genetically modified because the dads were the same and the moms were the same and they all procreated and had the same kind of babies. And it was always like that was that set. Those were those people. And they all were like, you know, super time. Mary, Mary and Stevie are having just the greatest time. We went up to Harvard and just had a fabulous time. We just walked around and looked around. They're just they're super kids, really super, super duper kids. And there's all they were, yeah, they were all exactly the same. You'd see the same type of people in a way they had been sort of modified in that they were only sort of socializing with themselves. The idea is to start messing around with the science of the thing. You could take out certain diseases. There wouldn't be anything wrong with that. It'd be really interesting to see who would modify so that the kid, um, you know, would people begin to say, well, we can find out whether or not your child's going to be gay or straight. Would people say, oh, I'd, I'd rather have a straight child than a gay child. Would people start to modify those types of things And I guess the worst part of the situation is we end up everyone being exactly the same or at least, you know, you only have a certain customized, a certain number of sort of elements to somebody. Like if you could change one thing, you could change one thing about yourself, gene modify yourself, what would it be? I mean, don't say your hands. That's obvious. But like something else. I'd be taller. Okay. How much taller you want to be? Uh, Let's see. I'm 5'2". I'd like to be 5'8". Wow. All right. In order... Whoa. Wow, that's gross. What? What's gross? <laughs> Five eight at, at your same at your same weight? <laughs> well, no, I weigh a hundred and eight like, pounds. I think I'd be like weird looking. Pro- yeah, proportionally. Yeah, like maybe oh. I'd weigh hundred and fifteen pounds if I was five eight. Oh, okay, because I had you stretching and then I didn't have you gaining weight. I just had you just like elongating. It's like a no. piece of taffy. No, no, like no. Taffy. No, no. And then no. all of a sudden you're you're all like gone no. and everything. Well, Speaking of weight, Sherry, the what is it? How many years now? If Haiti, if something percentage of Americans will be obese? In 2035, half yeah. of the world's population is predicted to be overweight or obese. Right uh, now, uh, 2.6 billion people, or 30 uh, per, 38% of the global population, are already obese. By 2035, 4 billion, or 51% of adults, will be overweight or obese. Right now, it's one in seven people. By then, it'll be one in four. Right. 
And we will not live as long. And clothes will be different. And generally, life will be short uh, and consist of a lot more sweating. But do you want the government to get involved in this? Do you want the government to start imposing regulations on people so they have to eat a certain way or be required to exercise to get health insurance or all of those things? Do you want that kind of interference? Uh, I'd like to get the government out of subsidizing uh, corn syrup. Uh, I'd like to get the government out of producing and subsidizing corporations to produce crappy food. I'd like to get the government out of um, general restrictions when it comes to kids being able to exercise. Um, that kind of stuff. But, no, it's it's parental. And, unfortunately, it's there's nothing to turn it around at this point. Other than these drugs that are, people are taking now, it's doing a, you know, just people are shedding weight with these new drugs. The yeah. problem is, as soon as you get off the drug, boop, you know, right. suddenly you're, you know, suddenly like you're any diet. without the, without the seven <laughs> inches. <laughs> By the way, you didn't say anything. Did you watch the TikTok? I did, but it kept cutting off. Like, did you do more than do something right in the window? Because that's as far as it would go. No, that's all. Jacob? Oh, that's it? Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's really disappointing. Oh, I was wa- wanting a full-on dance. I that told you. Dance. It was dumber yeah, than you were expecting yeah, it to be. Yeah, it, it was dumb. Uh, it, dumb and it, disappointing. It, yeah, it was not. All right. No. Well, he's gone, Sherry. King of Sting. Gone. Yeah, he was re- a real character. Bugs are... You won't have those bugs to bite him around anymore or something like that. You've been uh, stung by how many uh, variety? How many insects exactly? Oh, I don't know. Probably about 83 plus or minus a few here and there. 83? And, and how does your fingers work? and toes so, you know, I can't keep... Tack- what yeah. part of your body do you uh, let them sting? Oh, I don't like to let them sting any part of my body. They sting wherever they choose. I see. If, if I'd rather have my choices, I'd like them to sting me in the arm or the leg. Not my nose or my lip or my eye. Has it happened that they've stung your nose, lip, or eyes? Oh, yes. Then you end up with a fat lip. You know, you come, oh, I can't speak right now that my lips are very big and fat. Are these controlled experiments, or are, are you just out in the wild and you get stung and then you write the experience down? Yeah, it's pretty much in the wild. I think the only control is the wasp or the ant. I see. Not me. I'm not in control usually. I see. So I, you- I, I'm just there trying to do my thing. It was Dr. Justin Schmidt. Why, why did he, why was he letting him sting him all the time? Well, he was doing research all the time and he wanted to write a book about the level of pain that you would get from uh-huh. each insect. So he did that. He says this though, which I don't agree with. He says Uh-oh. humans are fascinated by stinging insects. Uh, why? Because we have a genetically innate fear of animals that attack us, be they, le- be they leopards, bears, snakes, spiders, or stinging insects. Do you have a fascination with stinging insects? No, but you have fast. There's one in the. There's a, you have a fascination of watching people. You've really, you made a chart, which is called. It's named after you. It's called the Schmidt Pain Index. And who uses this chart? Like, and what? Uh, how would this come in handy? How, what practical use would there be for Oh, something? there's lots of practical use for educators to teach the children about the beauty of nature. Uh-huh. It's really good for, uh, for medical things so we can figure out, oh, boy, you know, this really hurts. Can we use this for, for stopping the pain? Mm-hmm. So the honeybee, is the sweat bee the honeybee? Is that a, the same thing or are they different? No, the sweat bee is a little tiny gray. 
Okay, I thought he's going to get stung. They don't bring him on and sting him anymore. They, they, Johnny Carson <laughs> would have done that. No, uh, gonna, I, I so think you're going to put that. You're going to you're going to put it on your neck and sting yourself. Go ahead, go ahead, then. And then like ah, and they do that, and well, Ed, 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 Ed would like that, you know. And then they make some joke about Ed being drunk or something. He, they never got stung. Is there any video of him stinging him or being stung? He he like like he says he didn't really do it intentionally, right? It was oh. it was not something yeah, he prepared he for. He said he's not a masochist. He says that when it does happen, I usually react as anyone would, cursing more than I should. Yeah, yeah. Every year, every year, I get stung by a bee, and then it got so bad. I've been stung so many times now that I'm allergic. So now it's a big deal. And I had an EpiPen that I carried around because I thought, oh, I'm going to get epileptic, epileptic, whatever that shock from the thing. Anaphylactic shock. Yeah, but of course I'm so disorganized. I found it was in my car and then I lost it and then you have to keep it refrigerated or heated or whatever. I get stung and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that's right. I've got that EpiPen. It's like the thing flew in and stung me in the neck. I go into my glove compartment, open it up. There it is. There's a chocolate bar melted all over it. And the thing is eight years old. I can't even get the cap off. How but you were you, okay. How did you survive? Yeah, <laughs> uh, because I, I could feel myself getting all tingly and that really weird. My mouth got all dry and my tongue was getting mm-hmm. big. And I went into some. It was over, it was over on Aurora Avenue, so I just went into a uh, to pharmacy and told the guys. I got stung by a bee. I, I got that. I got it's getting sort of. I got. I got. Well, you need an epipen. I got got epipen. So the carpet's covered in chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you know need, that's you don't need chocolate. You need enough. I don't. Can you pitch God? I'm very, I'm very disorganized. I'm very disorganized. Well, too bad you didn't have your oxygen in a can, and you would have would have helped. There we go. <laughs> also, I don't know what this is doing to me, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> that you can. You're not sure if the epipen needs to be kept cool or or warm. Yeah, you might. Do you have it now? I mean, what are you doing here? You could. This is not good. We're not in B season right now, Sherry. I'll have one. What medicine needs to be kept too warm? You've got to keep it. Yeah, in a sun. What, what does that mean? You put it under the cushion so you keep it warm. You strap it to your leg. Yeah. Put it under your arm. I'm not organized with this sort of stuff. Those Abby pens are for organized people. That's true. What about the rest of us. You're disorganized. You're not organized enough to save your life. So, okay. Okay. I'm now taking oxygen directly into my eyes. Are you happy now? Stop that.